bacon, bacon, bacon. Built this great old nation. Bacon, 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 bacon. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think this is the perfect place to start. You ready? Bacon, beans, and bullets. <laughs> um, All the best bees. Pretty sure. Bacon, beans, bullets, black coffee, fat back, brown sugar. Made this great, great nation what it is. So, <clears throat> take that to the bank. <laughs> oh, banks. Got to throw them on there, too. Damn. That's hot off the presses. That's right. That is fresh out the, uh, the, the... <clears throat> the snake hole. Fresh off the presses. That is some exclusive content here. Yeah. In the morning, in Prospero's, from the one and only Jason Reber. Who says there's nothing to first thought, best thought. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is, um, yeah. Hey, welcome. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you. I've been thinking that this show needs to <clears throat> kind of open up, you know, uh, fade to with like some Vivaldi going, mm-hmm. and then uh, we don't have enough plants. Yeah, I agree. And maybe like a, a shot of a cat. Yeah. Kind of over in the corner, just you know, ignoring us and mm-hmm. the something Brandon Bergian mm-hmm. or uh, the Four Seasons or whoever. A little handle. handle. Yeah, see, you're 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 taking stuff that I've been thinking about and saying for a while. We need more green, and we need a house a uh, house cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm what I'm doing is what you're saying is I'm appropriating, <laughs> and I'm I'm giving it a budget. I'm making it my own. Mm-hmm. That's not stealing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not in my book. That's collaboration. Um, bacon and eggs. Thanks to Room 39 right across oh. the street. Oh. Shout out to them. Love me the Room 39. Mm-hmm. 39. Did I say 38? I meant 39. Room 39. 39. Room yeah. 39. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Some of the damn finest bacon in in uh, this part of the nation mm-hmm. upon which it was built. Truly. On the backs of bacon. On the backs of fat back mm-hmm. pigs and the men who ate them. Mm-hmm. Swung the hammer. I, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Hey, I think a good question uh, to lead off this episode with is why in anyone's good name in the United States of America would give a sh- shit about poetry? Why would they or should they? Or would I, you know, it's kind of... Answer both, honestly. Yeah. They're both rather loaded questions. Mm-hmm. Um, can I, uh, <clears throat> while I'm uh, preparing my thoughts mm-hmm. for a retort, um, can I uh, possibly have one of those pieces of napkin? Yeah. No. This is my piece napkin of napkin. Paper. You were meant to Papier. bring your own. Didn't you get the? Well, I didn't get the memo, man. The email that you bring your own napkins. I'm always, mm-hmm. always not getting memos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think I had like my setting or something. 
Filter. All right. There's some P.O. box out there with Reberg's name on it that's That's just stuffed full of memos. We've lost the key. Can it actually implode from, you know, a virtual density? (laughs) (laughs) Warning. You have 30 seconds to comply. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been saying that for years. To comply with the memos. Yep. We'll be fine. Um, man, I just can't think of anything but this bacon right now. <laughs> Maybe that's oh, the poetry. <laughs> poetry. Well, you know, if candy is the poet, the, the bacon of uh, can- bacon is the candy of meat, then I'd like to think that poetry is not the uh, the soap that you get your mouth washed off with. Of food. Wait a minute, that's not really. Of things that you would have forcibly placed in your mouth, mm. as opposed to uh, all too willingly placed in your mouth, like bacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and bacon's good friend. <laughs> oh, coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. And don't forget about eggs. Mm. That's right. Yep. Oh, eggs. Uh, you know, uh, I think part of the problem is um, people have forgotten to, uh, it's <clears throat> it's a variation of the old, uh, I wish I had something, a slightly less cliche analogy of people having forgotten how to uh, slow down and stop and smell the uh, the proverbial. Uh, let's just keep running with this. Slow down, smell the bacon. Mm. Just smell it. Mm-hmm. Don't just immediately devour it. Don't reach for a piece. It just take it in. You know, you wake up and you're going, and maybe it's raining outside a little bit, and there's the, the pitter patter, trickle trickle, and on could could it be any better? And is that bacon I smell? Oh my God! They just who's somebody's somebody's really uh, you know gone out of their way to to make my day start out really well. Um, and just kind of lay there and think about it. Think about it. Uh, you know the bacon that you sense somewhere in the house, uh, and maybe the sound of Tom Waits says that the uh, the best uh, sound effect for uh, rain is sizzling bacon. Now I don't know. Uh, uh, I listen. I pretty much do what Tom Waits says. It, you know, it's probably true. You know, in various different ways. Mm. But uh, uh, so there's, maybe there's a relation between uh, trickling rain and sizzling bacon, and uh, yeah, just you know, kind of sit back and enjoy the damn moment before whatever. You know, before rushing into the next moment, and I think, I think poetry requires um, a certain pacing of oneself, and that doesn't mean we aren't moments of frantic uh, indulgence, but then there have to be the moments of oh, oh what's the classic. Uh, you know, 
life without uh, with thought is not worth living. Is that was that uh, Plato or Socrates or one of those? Uh, one of them. Um, you know, alleged. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, the unexamined life. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that necessarily should be this laborious, heavy thing. I think it's been straddled with. That it's just, man, just for a moment, wherever the moment is right now that you're finding yourself in, and suddenly maybe you've just accidentally gone meta on your own without, you know, something's triggered you and you're, you've stepped outside for a, in, in that way to, you know, uh, I think that's a lot of times where the poetic, impulse comes from to make it and I think it's probably thereby, therefore um, also where it uh, comes from um, in a person's makeup to enjoy it and I think that has been sucked out of our lives almost um uh, premeditatively, um, willfully, um, you know, uh, it's like the little town in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that uh, children are illegal. And as much as I've found myself at times, uh, you know, completely agreeing with the sentiment, uh, it's like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. And, uh, you know, the, the, certainly I think there's a childlike instinct in the, the way we look at life to appreciate life in a grander scale. Uh, so, yes, I think that's where it begins. It begins in this kind of um, uh, doing away with... <clears throat> that part of the human uh, educational process and what we encourage and uh, what we what we value and the you know the fanciful the the nonsensical even if we want to go that far um, the merely pleasurable the, uh, the oh my god the beautiful um, you know let's 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 dig that uh, old debate up again and go to work on it and uh you know and i and i mean this i'm not being completely facetiously smart ass but um um digging up some of the old uh ideas of what it was to be human alive conscious um i think some of those have been abandoned by more kind of fashionable uh debates um, not that that's, there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, uh, sometimes we have to return to things that we thought, you know, um, were gone. I mean, uh, Shakespeare was lost for decades and decades and decades, um, until being more or less kind of rediscovered, um, you know, in the, I think, even the late romantics, um, that may not be completely true somebody 
out there who actually knows what they're talking about, um, you know, give us a call. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let's correct that one up. Yeah. We'll, uh, we're going to have a number out pretty soon for that. Um, and um, I think this is, as the same has been said about a lot of the uh, various great musical movements. Um, they died and were later rediscovered. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think, you know, that Mozart and Beethoven were just like, have eternally enjoyed the, uh, prestige and, uh, popularity that they've always had. It's like times I think they were, um, just forgotten. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly, my God, that probably doesn't happen to anybody more significantly, um, than it does to writers and novelists. I mean, you're, as, uh, the great thinker David Lee Roth once said, uh, here today, gone later that day. And, uh, boy, you turn or blink and, uh, some hot shit <clears throat> novelist or poet is gone. You know, Carl Sandburg, I mean, he was a just complete darling child of the early 20th century Western world, and yeah, yeah, it's arguable about how how scholarly and biographically valid his his uh, big books on Lincoln were, other than being just kind of a big puff stroke piece, you know, but uh, still... He was such a a you know big large person of the time, and I focus on him because I've I've got a thing I've got a, a uh, Sandberg thing. I think he's somebody that if younger poets, especially you know, ask me ever, I think, well, who should I be reading? Say, check out Charles Sandberg, man. Especially if you've got an affinity for the beats. And Bukowski and some of the outsider types that came along um, later, because you know, and, and Sandberg claimed to be, you know, a first, you know, first beat generation. He didn't try to take their thunder, but just was like, "Hey, man, I was a hobo. I was a thumb and rides, you know." Um, uh, way back in the day, depression, you know, and and uh, still somehow managed to uh, uh, cultivate these these amazing these minds that a lot of people, you know, uh, Kenneth Rexroth was another one, another young dude thumbing and bumming around America during the Depression era and but still kept some foot and <clears throat> in their, the, in the world of the intellect and the arts and, and what was happening then and there and and uh, I, it's too bad that they've kind of been forgotten. I, I would, again, highly encourage him. You know, and Sandberg's right there. They made a million of his books, you know, and he's remembered a few, a few pieces that are just like, um, uh, I think, you know, wonderful pieces in their own, but like any hit song, it's just like, I don't want to hear my Michelle ever again. In without me voluntarily picking it, you know. That's, <laughs> well, I could go on. Right. Love the song. 
Right. Just come on. <laughs> Let's pick another, you know, pick another one. Uh-huh. Um, so we can get up into that area of, you know, Stairway to Heaven right. uh, impact. <clears throat> I To continue the um, analogy of the bacon, you know, you have uh, the best way to cook bacon is uh, from no heat to medium heat. And you have that bacon on the on the pan as the pan heats up. Really? And that's yeah, that's that's uh, the best way to cook bacon, obviously in my opinion. But uh, also, I don't know. Now, is that a slow build? Yeah, like a slow build, and I think I don't know. I'm curious what, <clears throat> in your words, like what the state of poetry in this country was, uh, and where we're at now, and how we got here. Um. Well. I've got two two obstacles. Mm-hmm. One of them being I'm not that old. Uh, two, I ain't that smart. Um, but I will try to uh, draw from the well somewhere betwixt. Uh, That's all we're asking. Um, yeah. Uh, well, just so now I that makes I've been rethinking all of my cooking practices lately. Of mm-hmm. Of going from slow, baby, low, roll, roll, slow, and and just it takes longer. Mm-hmm. But like, especially how you sneak up on something like fried chicken, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, or a pork chop. You know, they say you know some people are like get that thing up as hot as you can, bam, you flash fry it to both sides, and then you like I got one friend he does this two minutes. For a pork chop on each side mm-hmm. at super high heat, lots of oil. Mm-hmm. It usually makes a really damn good pork chop. Man. Really, um, I've always been intim- I've been intimidated more by fried chicken, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people what they think they know about me and they say, well, I think you can fried chicken running through your veins. <laughs> you know, it's like same thing. A lot of times I get people ask me, you know, especially in other parts of the country if they're traveling through or. I'm traveling somewhere. Eventually, you know, the, the the barbecue debate comes up, you know, and I'm suddenly they they like they've got an authority in there, you know, Kansas City barbecue, ooh la la, <laughs> Mister Fancy Pants here. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of like, man, you know, I'm pretty easy. I mean, you know, uh, fried chicken is a but intimidating cooking though. Yeah. Just having a vat of oil in any sort of cooking space where you drop things into it. But I mean, I it's another one where I don't know if I quite go to the extremity that you do, but uh, having the thing on super like it's not if I, when I start to lay the chicken in, mm-hmm. it's not like you know it right. just kind of mm-hmm. you know and just like let it kind of go. Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure I'm violating some kind of protocol, uh, but man, you know it's the way I've done it. it takes a little bit longer, and I'm almost not ever <clears throat> ruining chicken. Right, and you know maybe somebody's gonna go no, but it, you really it just toughens it. It's like I don't know, man. This is some pretty juicy stuff because the minute I get any sense, you know, my gut, my the clock, stars are aligned a certain way, and I kind of pry into that thing and I you know the, the minute there's zero pink and whatnot I'm like pull that something you know or, or turn it off and right. you know, do the you know let it let the meat rest <laughs> I've, I've been 
informed and misinformed um, on both sides of that argument as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I think as poetry, and once again, I'm going to probably keep drawing this point up of poetry being a slightly different ingestion absorption process than not just all of the arts, but of literature as well. Not superior, not it's, but I think it is, I think it's one of the reasons it's genuinely shorter um, and rendered in the way it is, is to be these kind of, um, I have my theories of the rise and how poetry, at least in the Western world, uh, started pretty much all as, you know, you, you had your, with little, with few exception, you had the epic poem. Now that doesn't mean you couldn't dig other parts of the Western world up and they had smaller things and as time uh, passed, you know, you started to see the rise of early, early, early forms of the prosish poem of, of you know, uh, voice it becoming from um, clearly the speaker and the subject of the poem are the same and, and feelings and thoughts are made more um, evident and front, you know, in the front, as opposed to just sort of maybe accompanying uh, choral elements. But um, um, I think where we are now, modern poetry, which I'm going to go... Everybody these days is usually starting the big giant anthologies off with... Uh, you know, Whitman and, and uh, Emily Dickinson was probably, you know, the, the uh, brother and sister or weird husband and wife of modern American poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems about as fair a starting place to me as any. Um, and I think a lot of but a lot of credit has to be addressed to things that affected modern American poetry, which were um, a lot of um, not so contemporary, but contemporary poetry well of the French and a lot of various Latina countries. And, the you know, um, I mentioned um, Kenneth Rexroth earlier. I mean, one of his first, he made his mark on the world first by... Um, familiarizing the Western world a lot more with Asian poetry. Mm-hmm. And his translations are kind of what put him on the map. He and um, credit has to obviously been given to, uh, um, uh, oh, who's our boy, the, the, the Cantos. Uh, uh, man, I started him like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, oh, come on, we know. Nice, nice Italian-American here. friend that ended up doing time. For supporting the fascists, uh, uh, the um, man, why am I? He be, he piled around with William Carlos Williams and Hilda Doolittle, and I mean, he was a giant. And I'm mm. and I'm completely, uh, um, drawing. You know, did the uh, you know faces in the metro pedals on a wet pink bower, mm. um, and that's just I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Get me. Um. You- 
It'll come to you. Just yeah, I, I, I it's foolish. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's this ain't this ain't no pop quiz, you know. This is just we're just. I just want to know, yes. really, like, well, <clears throat> from your perspective, how you got into it. Like, what? Who were the people you were like reading? Um, and you know what? From your just eye and off the top of your head, obviously it's nine thirty in the morning or yeah. something. What what comes to you when you think about? Where we are right now as a country in and in, in the scene uh, of poetry and like how you think we got here and well, <clears throat> I'll try to reel it back in a little. Um, first of all, I think the quality of people's lives would only be better in this world, and I'm going to say this country if people read more. I I, I honestly believe that and um i don't I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't attribute that to any kind of quasi-religious um feeling on my part i'm not i don't i'm a phenomenological naturalist as they say um i won't i won't even deign to use the word atheist or agnostic well i did damn it um <laughs> You tricked me, boy. <laughs> we um, got you now. Yeah. This is going straight to the yeah, Catholic Church. That's right. Um, <laughs> I don't believe in magic in the way that it's presented to us, um, other than I think that the world and our lives are magical hmm. um, and can be. Can be. Um, and I think the arts, but since we're here today, advocate mostly for literature and poetry, I think that they only make our lives and time here better. Mm-hmm. I and I and I and I don't I don't mean that and I I would I would present a XYZ, here's why, um, if we, you know, wanted to go that route or I could say in kind of a quasi religious faith like way. It's like, you know, how how can I not? I mean look at it on the base on the basic levels of just what it is to you know imp- inform ourselves of uh, you know um, what's happening in our own world, let alone the fictional stories that people are inspired by, presumably the world to write um, um, and to get back to our little lonely friend at the end of the bar poetry. Um, I think for special moments that only it can deliver. That is my that is my theory of poetry. That <clears throat> we go to it seeking out something that even the most fantastic novel or novella or play you know, or song can't do quite as well. And part of that is just because of, well, that's what it does. That's its, uh, its uh, you know, raison d'etre. Um, so that the idea that people would deny themselves that, um, it's troubling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. I don't think there's anything wrong that poetry is doing or poets. I, I don't 
I mean, I think that's a question that's always been asked. And uh, and you know, let's get something straight. Poetry and art of a certain intellectual level has never been popular. <laughs> it's just not. I mean... Yeah. Now... A lot of old-timey culture appears to our 21st century eyes as somehow, I think, have a little more of this veneer of sophisticatedness to it because they were mimicking much more sophisticated arts. But, um, no, there were, it was, uh, in, in, yeah, you can, now I would say this, without a doubt, there was a time more humans uh, could and did read because that's what you had, and people figured that out. I think that was an extreme motivator to learn how to read, especially in urban and uh, suburban regions. Mm. Um, and you know, uncertain, I would even go as far as to say, became a component of, I think, a certain, um, uh, racial minority groups to get a foothold. You had to educate educate yourself at the penalty of death, um, and read what you could read and find out about the the world. And and I, and I might go as far as to say there might would be proportionally a larger number of critical thinkers, but. We, man, we, we romanticize the past, mm-hmm. and that you know, I, the, I, I, I especially like the one, you know, the whole greatest. Oh man, those people—they were just—they were somehow just—they—they they were the greatest generation ever. <laughs> weren't? Yeah. Fucking beat their wives. Right. Freaking hung black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they fought the Nazis. Like, dude, anybody with any sense of survival <laughs> is going to beat them. I mean. I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go down some a winding dog tail chase for truth, but of you know, they had more gumption or mm-hmm. more something. I'm like, I just that you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. do not know. But yeah. um, they people of an uh, um, Amer the world and America along with it went from being pretty much across the board. Extremely illiterate mm-hmm. to very literate. Mm-hmm. 19th century, Victorian era, world, Europe, America. Um, print was, I mean, you, you, you figured out a way to read the most fundamental lowbrow materials. You know, it would be extremely probably unusual to um, be cranked out of a modern American school system of a certain age not knowing your, you know, numbers and letters and such. Right. And uh, once again, anybody out there with the actual facts, call us at 1-800. <laughs> uh, right. Um, friend. But I, I, can, I can make this argument... From with some uh, valid points that are backing it, um, 
from shit I've read mm-hmm. somewhere. I know I did. Therefore, yeah, it's true. But, uh, <laughs> um, but so, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, um, people, yes, we're, we're probably, we're, I think most definitely more illiterate. I don't know what they read mm-hmm. was always the highest. Um, you know, uh, hell, it's barely a hundred years now that people believe in germ theory. Mm-hmm, right. You know, but there were geniuses amongst them, you know, and uh, a certain degree of kind of basic erudition that, you know, is, is probably lost in some ways. I mean, you know, I've, I've had my own theories building over the years from everything from, you know, the loss of rhetoric and t- taught in schools uh, to printed, print journal- journalism mm. to, you know, uh, now is that it? Is it done for the human race? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, right? But uh, uh, poetry. Back to poetry. <laughs> so sorry. No. Um, as I that was actually a brilliant. I want to say... come back to the bacon for another. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, it is something that is out there for you, waiting. It it wants to do. You know, maybe it looks like the ugly puppy in the window. At first, I don't know, but uh, you do have to bring something to poetry, in my mm-hmm. opinion. A certain, uh, you know, suspension of disbelief for mm-hmm. for the entire genre, not just what the um, the story idea that the author's trying to sell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that it. it you know, on that side of it, it can only improve your life on many levels. Um, and it, and boiling down to, you know, it's a good time. Yeah. I, 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 when I get, I get wrapped up in my thing is in one of my favorite rituals. And even on like a, I catch myself on a Friday night, you know, cracking open some beers or wine or whatever. And I pulled out a just big, I mean, I went to the, my bookshelf to grab something down on the shelf and I come back with 10 to 20 things. And, and if it's a certain night and I'm just feeling like, you know, it's 20, 10 to 20 books of poetry and laid out and I'll just, sp- I'll spend the night reading those and, and, uh, laughing and ooh and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, in times, oh, damn, I could have been better. Um, but I, I think, um, I think if people kind of turn themselves over to it and really, you know, open themselves and, you know, seek out, uh, uh, I mean, I buy copies, you know, buy the, the box of the bag of like poetry magazine, mm-hmm. used copies. If I can get it, you know, find somewhere it's like buck a copy, or, right. you know, and have it. I just, Paul was cleaning up my, shelves and pulled about 50 of those things off that I'm going to probably donate here or uh, the bookstore back in Bell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, man, you're not going to love everything in there, but, like, the thing about going into poetry especially is this happened inside someone's head, and if that is all interesting to you, it's like, you know, I would have never come up with anything like 
this or mm-hmm. I w- or I, if I was close I'd do it this way and not this way and mm-hmm. and I, so I'm kind of fascinated when it takes me into somebody else's mind right you know and yes along the way I hope there is some kind of basic standard issue entertainment value that keeps me You're right you know so to speak on the um you uh, talking about how you like do believe that there that you have to bring something to poetry i think that like there is something about it that you do have to have like a certain level of readiness because poetry is challenging it it really it it challenges yourself to um for me personally like when i find myself writing poetry it's usually when I've experienced something that I cannot express in like a sentence in words, and I find myself or just feeling a lot, uh, whether it be like tra- tra- a traumatic experience of experience full of rage, of an experience full of like sorrow or whatever it is, I find myself just like writing and like kind of putting these feelings onto a page and like kind of seeing what comes out of it and and doing that, and that that's kind of. That's that's harder work than most people are willing to put in every day, uh, in in a way that's like spiritual, psychological, uh, subconscious level of um, communicating with yourself. With uh, like for instance, I I'm just coming back from this uh, film festival in Colombia called True False. That's mm-hmm. like uh, all all documentaries and it's international. And there was one documentary called Forms of Forgetting that I saw, which was a Turkish film. And it was a very meditative piece as well as a um, very poetic piece where he was using uh, the language of cinema, which is, you know, light, motion, and sound um, to commu- uh, to convey, like, a feeling uh, and while paired up with, with uh, written word, poetry, um, studies, and stuff. And people in that theater, it was my, I think, my favorite film of the, um, of the whole festival. And uh, but people in that theater stood up and left. Had like fifteen minutes in, stood up and walked out. Um, and I, everyone I talked to after watching that film said they hated it. Like they couldn't stand it. It was just it was it was too much. But it was a, what I like identified is when you sit down and you watch that film you're immediately confronting your relationship with memory, with space, with forgetting, with remembering. And that is not easy. That's not like something like, I mean, especially in this country, in the United States of America, where we're constantly moving, 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 working, 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 Mm -hmm. trying to accomplish something, trying to make ends meet, trying to like, we're just wrapped up into this very fast paced world of consumerism and um, capitalism. And uh, like you were saying earlier, poetry provides this space, this like moment of pause and reflect on actually how is this experience treating you as this creative force, this soul, whatever you use, you think of yourself, or think of this experience that we're all sharing right now. Um, poetry is that like little pause and to reflect on what is happening, the the bacon grease in the morning, the crackling of what it is, and and that's honestly a difficult process for a lot of us who have been from the jump running 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 trying to figure things out trying to connect make ends meet while on top of 
relationships, social, romantic, psychological, just like your uh, experience in this world. And, and, and it takes, that's a challenge. And, and I love that you brought up <clears throat> that once upon a time, there was a period of time where reading and educating yourself was held uh, away from people. And it was a fight for that to become kind of, you know, like you said, like the world in this country, but in, in the world, it's the in the world, it's an ongoing fight in some places. But in this country, we have actually earned that right in public education to come out of it with uh, the ability to read, the ability to write. Um, if if you're, <laughs> you know, uh, participating, um, but uh, I, yeah, I just like. It's interesting to see now as we're consuming these like little f- spoon-fed snippets of information over uh, very visual snippets of information through social media or through the news or whatever it is uh, that we're being like spoon-fed this. And meanwhile, um, there's this other form of experience, which is poetry and reading and writing. That is much slower, a slower burn, um, uh, and and it like kind of sits in the moment. Whereas everything, like everything, if you are paying attention, that seems to be spoon fed to us seems to be like feeding us to speed up, keep going, speed up, speed up, speed up, and where poetry is slow down, and that's just like a challenging process. Um, and I, I'm curious, like how you write poetry, what what like what spurs you on, what what inspires you. Uh, <clears throat> I would say it's a combination of um, adapting to the pace and um, writing in very specific, isolated, concentrated times of, you know, on the go. I mean, I feel like I've you know, got some kind of water paper stuffed in my pockets or, you know, a jacket pocket or my uh, computer bag that I'm going to use when I get 10 to 15 minutes here and there. I also think I've been in the last couple of years experimenting with um, shorter f- forms. And I use the form term form a little loosely. Um, I probably just leave it at shorter poems that I have more and more been allowing to leave the nest a little quicker Mm -hmm. than I used to. Um, I've always been a very obsessive reviser. And as an ethos, as a school, I'm always going to uh, throw in with that, you know, because that is kind of where the writing is. I mean, it's like, yeah, you get the lightning bolt moment. And then what? And I'm a little off-put by how readily and, you know, enthusiastically a lot of younger poets I've met on the road, or they've just, you know, they've come through here, we have poets, and, uh, you know, <laughs> are, uh, you know, I don't, I don't rewrite, I don't, uh. I don't revise. It's all like reading that magical sneeze that you just right. let go on the paper. Right. You know, and now 
I've known people who have that gift. Um, and it's also usually coupled with the fact they've been doing it for a really long time. Some form of already writing, but they know their minds. They know what's in them. And, you know, they're pretty uh, connected to the outside world. So I can see a handful of exceptional people who are very much almost composed on the go. And it's mostly done. They know what they know ahead of time what they wanted to do, or if they don't, that is tweaked inside the period of whatever they allot themselves to write the thing with one or two immediate quick rewrites, and then it's done mm -hmm. in their minds. And um, it's few people who I think can do that. That's just so... Uh, my point being is that I've been attempting quicker, on-the-go things that um, uh, I try out on people. I try out in a room, crowd, and kind of gauge the reaction to, and take it to a writers group meeting. You know, and hey, everybody was there. You know, or there's some <clears throat> there's some Facebook pages I'm on where they're kind of low-key, friendly critique um, uh, pages that everybody looks at everybody's stuff and always pretty much says, you know, nice things, occasionally just, uh, dude, you don't need this. You don't, you don't need that. So um, it's a quicker process these days than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still completely guilty of having a box or more full of man you guys are not ready for right. combat mm -hmm. you know and just back in there pull them out mm. back in for a little while longer mm. you know, i'm not completely free but i i always thought there was that's where the craft was mm. and there are no as i said earlier there are distinctive schools who think the exact opposite is the way I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if that ad kind of <laughs> went, uh, uh, at least at least in like literally the logistical way, where do I find the time for it? Mm -hmm. Where do I insert the time to do it? That's, that's, uh, that's about as close as the way thing. And I, you know, I have, uh, I have kind of alternative st stimulus uh, methods for uh, getting a poem going. If it's, you know, you kind you'll get that clot of man. There's some interesting imagery in there. A couple of lines, some weird ass, you know, broken up imagery that could be feasibly pasted together into something, you know. And you got to go to work on it. Mm. And um, uh. And a lot of times I'll, I will artificially try to fit them to a meter of sorts that don't necessarily have a rhyming verse. Mm -hmm. It's just how to start to take broken pieces of this wannabe poem 
And, you know, it's kind of like playing with those words, you know, when you're a grade school kid and you've got the those big words or subwords on magnets on your fridge. You know what I'm talking about where yeah. people can form these right. kind of very E Cummings esque. Yeah. You know, and I've seen large versions of those that'll stretch out over several um like blackboards. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm for anything. It's like I hope I'm not like <laughs> my my interest in friends drop by <laughs> so much, but uh anything that um Get your juices kicking. Right. Is valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if you want to accuse me of writing, you know, shallow, well, but you started, you were writing that about anything or nothing and just had to take the shape of something later. It's like, I don't care, man. Have you, have you seen the amount of studies done by some of the major artists? You know, like, I'm trying to think one of the wires I was looking at, and he had a ton of variations of uh, his famous piece, the woman crawling through the, the, in the grass towards, mm-hmm. like, the house. And so, you know, and different takes on it, different outfits. Um, but uh, same thing with Picasso and some of those dudes. Man, they got... Page after page after page of, of just test runs on uh, a bigger, more prestigious people that or paintings that maybe never made it, but they're still like this thing's done. Where what is it? Where is it? Who's got it? You know. Um. So there's all of that is now kind of part part of the modern Reberg format. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Um, speaking of the Reberg format, uh, you do have like an interesting, I mean, what you do and correct me if I'm wrong, but is you have your own books, which we should probably, we have somewhere around here that we could throw up somewhere. I'll just yell at Will here in a second, but, um, uh, you go around the country and you kind of sell these books here and there. Um, and sometimes it comes in forms of like at an open mic, right? Or like a, you, you read your poetry to a crowd. Um, and I'm curious, like, if you could talk a little bit more about that, what you do. Um, but also, like, why, uh, what, what that does for you, um, like reading your stuff to an audience and why an audience should come and listen to, you know, poets and, and read their stuff. Um,. Can we take a pause? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can do whatever we want. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a heavy load. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need a glass of water. Yeah. Some uh, surgical gloves. <laughs> some forty weight oil. Some ball bearings. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think maybe a shot of whiskey in there somewhere. Uh, so yeah, let's uh let's come back to that one. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Alright. Quick back. Quick break and we're back. Um, do you want me to repeat a question? Sure, repeat the question. Okay. Basically, 
Um, like I said, my understanding of uh, what you do is that you go around the country, you have published several of your own poetry books, and you go around and you sell them as sort of like a traveling salesman, and you sell them at usually uh, um, open or scheduled mics uh, in front of an audience, um, and from there you kind of pitch your stuff through your expression. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what that's like and also um, why you think people should come and listen and listen to your stuff and buy your stuff. Well, uh, I don't uh, – I started out, like I think most people do, uh, publishing their own. But then I got to the point where I could talk about other people into publishing right. my poetry, which you know gives it a little bit more of a of a exposure and and uh, you know some distance that uh, uh, then you can just you know keeping it in the house all the you know I uh, I do and I run Spartan Press, which has a handful of of kind of subsidiary presses. Mm-hmm. Um, that I probably average, I don't know, close to 50 books a year. Um, and I certainly do what I can to sell on behalf of the authors that have uh, taken me into their confidence, uh, their poets, excuse me, that, uh, um, and authors. Uh, but yes, I, I will usually release about two or three books a year of my own through some uh, other press. And... Um, it's the ritual for a lot of people, and I've I've found this. I mean, you know, we kind of jokingly call ourselves the Road Warriors because we put a I mean, we do put a lot of time on the road in motels in front of crowds. You know, if we can, if we're lucky enough to get in front of classrooms, mm-hmm. I mean, that's become a very important part of it, and it always was. You know, <clears throat> uh, this thing's, uh, everybody's probably got that, a different motivation for doing it. Myself, um, I've always felt that it was moving towards some end or a next beginning, always with a next beginning. And, and what those are or going to be is, is you can never tell, but, you know, that, that the idea of, you know, moving things along to some kind of next phase of operations and whatnot. And for me, for years and years, it had been getting in front of classroom settings, uh, partially for um, financial reasons, um, but having your words in front of a classroom setting with the presumed, uh, uh, you know, a uh, sanction of you know, prof- uh, a professor and a university. And um, I suppose there's a certain degree of uh, cachet to that, um, what it all ends up tr- truly in the end, the big final end. Like, ah, whatever. And not what I thought it was going to be, but so be it. I mean, it's so much of what we do. Anyway, um, 
And um, to, also, it just seems like a natural, a natural end for the poems to go in front of audiences. And <clears throat> another thing too that I'm very uh, 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 involved in more and more so the older I get is um, having my stuff published in uh, various journals and things like that around the world. Um, I've kind of become rather obsessive about it. Of uh, you know, if I get rejected, it's like you know, I don't take it personal. I just boom, mm-hmm. send that package back out to the the world with a you know uh, to a different you know potential mm-hmm. buyer. And uh, I think that is a a good way of familiarizing yourself on some level with people that you have not yet met but might eventually you know i mean i i remember i read a lot of journals i read a lot of things online and you know um every now and then like that's that's that one guy and i wrote his name down and boom he's gonna be in oklahoma in you know so i mean there's so many there's so many different kind of questions going on in there and answers i mean yeah, it gives my life meaning. Uh, uh, I connect with other poets routinely on the road, and you know we kind of get together and swap notes and tell stories, and and uh, uh, gets me exposed to publishing opportunities, be it journals or entire books or contests or that kind of thing. Um, and uh, it's 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 interesting because you are. <clears throat> poetry being what it is, and I think we've kind of delved into that um, in the last uh, hour or so, is um, it seems to me when a handful of us are going out and doing our thing as a group sometimes and we're going to hit, you know, part of the, the northwest and boom, 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 boom there, and then on our way back we're going to hit these dates going through wherever and except for the most sophisticated audiences in the know audiences a lot of the crowds we get in front of it's 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 almost you're having to explain poetry again um even if they are old enough to know but you know my own father who said you know it's like i'm, I'm sorry a poem is always going to be a thing that rhymes to me. Mm. You know, I said, oh, you know, that's, you've got binders, but right. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, um, so, uh, um, you're, when I think I said to you, you know, pushing poetry, pitching mm-hmm. poetry, it's like, you know, first of all, you are explaining poetry. You know, nobody explains, generally gives, you know, explanations about song structure and the place of the song in the, you know, great American music book. Right. Um, It's assumed that everybody has an idea of what it is. I mean, poetry has probably been less and less so for, you know, decades. I don't know who's, you know, is that somebody's fault? I don't know. I mean... It can make for interesting junctions. I mean, 
But, um, yeah, I, uh, trying to think, you know, you, it's almost like emissary. You're an emissary for the art form itself. And that's could be, you may not, you know, you could be a slam poet, you could be a academic poet, whatnot, unless you're getting up in front of, of crowds who are, are educated, particularly educated about that, where they're going to have uh, opinions as opposed to casually educated. You know, they're, they're literate. They've got a little bit of a sweet tooth for poetry, and they're going to come out to some uh, presentation in Lindsburg, Kansas tonight and meet the poet and, you know, sip a little wine and maybe talk poetry with somebody. And, and, uh, and then you've got people who are like, you know, it's some kind of English department grad school setting and they've they've got strong opinions mm-hmm. you know and uh and then there's a crowd where it's kind of a big vague foggy bank of of you know what they remember from grade school mm-hmm. to what uh poetry might have been uh, in their homes in some capacity mm-hmm. to whatever po- modern popular notions of it are. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, that's a slam. Mm-hmm. And um, for good or bad, um, I think a lot of what I've always been involved with mostly is some form of, you know, middle-brow literature at the very least, I mean, that is what I'm about, is the letter on the page. Um, it does not mean that the two are can't exist together, but a lot of that crowd does not or has not appeared to be terribly interested in poetry as a literary format. Um, and that's not meant to be an insensitive globe thrown down. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I've been most of them, you know, that understand where they are, who they are, right? The way they're delivering the material, it's like, it's, you know, that too. Yeah, it's not your, you know, and and honest ones are, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah, like you, I've thought you're saying that, like, writing it down and like having your binders and your boxes, right, are something and things that are not necessarily meant to be shared to an audience is just inherently different to what you're speaking into a microphone and just especially what you were saying um about how it's almost like you're you are pitching poetry in a way it's like as soon as you're like speaking on a mic it's almost whatever you're sharing is almost inherently proving a point that you should be here that you're meant to be here that you're meant to be like experienced well I think the problem with the spoken word phenomenon, and, and, and let me be clear, uh, I think spoken word for the 20th century has been around with us for quite a while, um, and it's you know dipped and weaved and bobbed and rebirthed, rebirthed itself, and pretty much we can say I think it's safe to say that the, you know the slam world took it over and that that's been kind of forced to go into 
deep hiding for a while. It's not fair to put it in those uh, terms, but uh, kind of is. Um, and uh, this it, it it's a you have to decide individually if you are going to make the leap into the off the edge of those cliffs mm-hmm. that look infinitely higher up when you're up there. Um, are you are, are you going to commit to this in some kind of you know quasi uh, you know uh, religious? I keep going back to that because I do think I do think that there is a quasi religious uh, dedication to a seeking of you know presumably the poet is in addition to uh, other genres and forms is seeking the truth of the universe through their medium. And, um, uh, if they're, even if they're really like just a committed student of poetry, but I'm going to go as far as to say that this person obviously wants to write and, and immerse themselves as, in as much good poetry as possible. Um, I think you have to, it's, it's a total long game, in my opinion. You know, and I kind of knew it at a certain age where I have no idea where this is going to take me or where we're going to wind up. But at some point, it never occurred to me to stop writing, publishing, and even in some capacity under performing poetry. I mean, that's to the point where I kind of like, I'm the uh, mildly amusing, tolerated old cadaver at the open mic reading that, you know, all the kids think, oh, he's, you know, and then one day I just stop moving, you know, and they don't know if I'm dead or not, you know, it's just kind of this mummified corpse with my, you know, poetry shirt and buttons and hat and, Old kooky ass with a reberg <laughs> just just fell right over, but he didn't fall over. He just got mummified. <laughs> Somebody left him in the bar over the weekend. Uh, it's 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 a close to a religious calling for me, and I hope that didn't just make somebody's you know lunch or breakfast kind of vomit back up <laughs> in their mouth. Uh, I honestly, I hope it. I hope it did. <laughs> I hope it did. Then at least we got some sort. Of, we know someone's watching. <laughs> we got some kind of reaction. But uh, um, what do you got going on to sort of wrap this episode up? What do you got going on right now with Spartan Press, with your writing, your poetry? Tell us. Um, starting the new year over. Obviously, with a bunch of projects of other folks who, some of it didn't make it into 22, um, and almost completely as a result of my incompetence. Um, some of it, it's new stuff. I'm just having people send me, looking at other people are hooking me up. Like, hey, you need to check this guy out, this woman, and that's starting to gradually pile up and probably technically have uh, January, February, March all about ready to come out in 
somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 books, like, all at once. Um, a couple have trickled out January, February. Um, but the rest of them are all just going to descend, you know, out of freaking nowhere at some point in oh, March exciting. or early April. And then, very exciting. then I continue. And I've got plans for... Mm, I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I I tend to flip flop back and forth between uh, uh, taking a break sometimes and just catching up on a lot of reading. Mm. Um, but then I go, nah, that's not gonna happen. Uh, so I've got my plans. Um, are about two. I think I'm in negotiations with uh, a couple small uh, chat books. And then, I'm just immediately got uh, intrigued by Tom Wayne that best. <laughs> Tom, just listen to Thomas Tom Wayne. For a while. He did just walk you know, in. I do. That is one of the problems with uh, interviewing me. I will. I just kind of like, is he, did he fall over and die? No, he just <laughs> stopped moving. Um, Please forgive us here. I've immediately been intrigued by the entrance of Tom Wayne. Whatever he has to say, is he going to, you know, go uh, erupt into a, a Wayneurism? This son of this place, a floor. Look at his goddamn floor. He's going to just burst down That's through right. the ceiling yep. and land right here. Sizzling through the floor, reforming, reconstituting himself as he... He lands. <laughs> okay, no, I'm coming back. The baby um, from Eraserhead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you what happens sometimes when I mean, if I think on my project, I will occasionally just get stupefied and I'm <laughs> staring off. I'm like, all right, what have I told the people? What am I currently believing about it myself? What am I? Uh, what am I? You know, what's keeping me going at least for the next couple of weeks? So like. Um, yeah, I'd like to have a few smaller collections of mine out on chapbooks, um, th- and then maybe a larger, more conventionally bound things that I'd like to do, um, uh, some touring in. Uh, I did around 30 plus reads last year that were at venues that had, uh, my name in the, on the, in the, uh, the heading mm-hmm. uh, headline headline the, the yeah. billboard um which you know it's, it's very impressive means you read very good <laughs> tell us what that means to our yeah. no it's uh that's in addition to a fair amount of open mic reads that i just wandered in, yeah. into and kind of um but no to me to me it was you know it's a little bit for my ego and hopefully my in terms of my career of uh just the number of things that i've been invited to participate to right. with you know my name on the mm-hmm. and um i'm gonna probably shoot for more than that this year and i'd like to have these books generally for me are for sale as i'm on the road yeah and uh they are all of our the books are available online um but i just tend to it seems getting out there and getting in people's faces and stuff sells a lot of them yeah, you know, and uh, so uh, that's what these other, you know, this is the way pretty much every poet these days is doing some variation of this, you know, right? Uh, jumping around, uh, mm-hmm. and perhaps sometime this March or late March, 
early April or just April in general, we'll be doing a open mic here in Prosper House. That would be very cool. Headlining that. It needs to happen. Yeah. Um, we need to. Well, here we are saying it into the mic, putting it out there on the internet. Yeah. Kind of forcing your hand here <laughs> to get this ball My rolling. Hand. All hands are above decks or, you know. True, 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 true. No, I, uh, right. it's, uh, you know, we went from being one of the top longest running open mics mm-hmm. in the season. It just, it wears you down. Right. And at the risk of falling apart completely and abandoning our Prospero, you know, which I did. <laughs> I, I thoroughly did when I went off to the residency, residency program. Uh, uh, I'll admit it. You know, it, I, I needed the uh, the uh, legendary uh, time off and sabbatical. And, of course. You know, and I kept running press. Mm-hmm. But um, And rest is needed. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely. important. I mean, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be working on a lot of... Uh, more stuff this year, and you know, actual poems, and I think maybe a couple of uh, uh, I keep threatening uh, short stories, um, but um, yeah, uh, about maybe three books this year's my own uh, material, and as much touring as I can get in. Yeah, honestly. So I, yeah, I've already started to line up uh, March and April, and uh, I'm I'm a big believer of crisscrossing the Midwest and doing a lot of kind of arguably familiar territory, mm-hmm. you know, just to hammer away at people. Cause you gotta, you just, you have to stay in their faces with a game like this. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're going to win every time, but I think having a, what you can call your, your, your route or your backyard. Um, and if people like you, like what you do. I mean, that is kind of important. But um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's one of the things I'm going to be many things focusing on this summer and spring. And I guess late fall, we've already started that up. So, um, and yeah, we probably ought to do some uh, big uh, hometown reads. Yeah, honestly. And I, it's gonna happen. I'm saying right now, um, and I'm very excited about it. And I'm excited to read your stuff. I'm excited for your uh, stuff to drop. That sounds all like very exciting. And um, where can people find your stuff if they're looking for it? Um, the best way is, you know, pre. Uh, it's another one of these post-COVID, pre-COVID things. Pre-COVID, there were actually a decent handful of used books around the Midwest and even parts of the country at large that carried a lot of our books. Um, but unfortunately, COVID did a bit of a number on that as it did on uh, other things. And... Uh, that's tougher to. Um, they're all available online. I will say that. Um, not, you know, terribly uh, personally established 
used bookstores and things like that, there are a few still that are carrying stuff, which, mm. you know, that's one of the many hats I have to wear at Prospero's is sales. Right. Wretch. Right. And uh, rep. I should say wretch. <laughs> I kind of like that rep. a lot, though. But, uh, <laughs> that's your um, position. So Lower third up. Yeah, it's a hat that I'm like, eh, I've had to force myself in being comfortable mm-hmm. with. So, um, you know, you got to get people's faces yeah. sometimes. and It's almost like if you want Jason's book, you're going to have to grab him by the shoulders on his way out. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I am woefully... Uh, misrepresented online by uh, all my social media too. Yeah, That's right. the problem. As we all uh, are, we all are. Um, other than that, you can find most of them online, Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, Barnes and Noble. Probably another couple hundred of them around the world on the internet um, that you can. They should have a handful of the titles. Yeah. So. Awesome. Um, if you don't have ethical issues. <laughs> right. Dealing with some of those big boys. Um, so. Who knows. Any, hey. Um, uh, has that thing been running the whole time? Yeah. I mean, we paused it, but yeah. Um, it should be. Hopefully. I think I see the light. Yeah, it is. Uh, um. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Thanks so much for coming and doing this. It was a pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you. And uh, I hope to have you on again sometime when you feel like it. And ho- and I'm saying we got some future mics coming soon and uh, books. A lot of a lot to be excited about. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Cool. One there. <laughs>